0: I'm Autumn Lockett,
1: and this is Mitch Randall,
0: and you're listening to Good Faith Weekly.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Good Faith Weekly, and on this episode, we are going to catch up, Autumn and I, as well as take a little deeper dive, look at Joe Biden's vice presidential pick, Senator Kamala Harris, as well talk about the environment with Don Gordon, who's the executive director for Christians Caring for Creation. So we're really excited about that interview. Autumn, how are things in your neck of the woods?
0: Things over here on the east side of Norman are very well. We are T minus... Four days from having most of our children back in school, which is amazing.
1: Celebrate, celebrate. <laughs> That's right. My,
0: my um, work uh, efficiency is going to get so much better without little blonde babies running through here all the time. <laughs> uh,
1: in all seriousness, uh, you know, the schools I know that you're sending your kids, they have really well thought out plans and taking care of all the little ones, of course. So you feel you feel good about the uh, school systems that your kids are in?
0: yes, I do. so our um our two little ones are going to uh, sort of a farm school nursery school situation where they're outside a lot. Mm-hmm. Our next oldest is going to um, you know kind of an equally environmental focused sort of school so they're outside they're masked and then our oldest who's in public school is actually going to be virtual for the foreseeable future we don't have an end date on that so she'll be here at home with us
1: okay well good well it sounds like uh, life is going to be changing in the locket house uh, over the next week or so
0: yeah it really is
1: well good what about
0: what about in your house? Where do y'all to? You just had a celebration speaking up. Oh,
1: yes, I just turned 50 years old.
0: <laughs> What'd what <did> you say?
1: <laughs> yes. And I'm okay. I'm just going to admit it that I am leaning into it. Uh, I love growing older. Um, I'm fine with it. I'm happy with it. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of perks come with uh, turning, you know, 50, half century. Got my ARP uh, card in the other day. Uh, didn't, didn't get me anything. But you know, I, I am now. I you know I have an application Your in. Car
0: an old fart.
1: Well, if they let me in, I'm, I'm going to fill out the application. And I'm, <laughs> this is what this is what uh, really uh, suggested to me that I'm really fine with being old. When I got the ARP invitation, I know a lot of people would really be demoralized by that. But I opened it up and I thought wow, they're giving away a free gift if I apply. And I got excited about the free gift. I'm not going to lie. It was a a trunk organizer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got to see it. Did
0: it also come with a bag of Werther's original?
1: (laughs) It did. So I mean, just picture <laughs> it. I could see myself, my little bow tie, my little fedora hat out there, organizing my stuff in my trunk. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And then last so night, yeah. And then last night, uh, missing the boys, the little birthday party for me, and I started opening presents, and I just stopped and looked at them, and I said, you know, I'm turning fifty, not eighty. And <laughs> what'd
0: you get? Like a cardigan and a
1: key <laughs> Almost. They got me a hammock to uh you know, relax out in the backyard during this time what? of pandemic, which was really nice. Uh but then the next thing they got me was a hummingbird feeder. <laughs> so it's like uh, nice? it was nice. It was like you know, send little old dad to the backyard to <laughs> relax and watch his birds. <laughs>
0: I think it's less about your age and more about like our current stage of life. Because at 37, I would love a hummingbird feeder out of my clappus window.
1: Yeah. Well, the the truth of the matter of it, I was really excited about it. (laughs) I've already been doing research to the right amount of, you know, sugar water to to put in it. So, yeah, it's going to be great. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Well, besides me turning 50, other big news happened yesterday. Vice presidential uh, news was afoot. Uh, presumed candidate for the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, announced his running mate. And he is asking Senator Kamala Harris from California to be his vice presidential pick. So what do you think about this?
0: I'm pumped. Um, I'm really excited about her. She's done. First of all, she's an attorney, which I just feel like people in that part of government should probably be. I -hmm. think it's helpful that they know the law in and out in a way that, Folks who aren't lawyers don't. Right. Um, I love that she's a woman. I love that she has, you know, biracial parents, um, and I'm excited about the work that she's done in California and her bringing her perspective to the White House.
1: Yeah, and you, you you and I both are reading uh, her most recent book about her life, and uh, you know, she grew up in California, as you mentioned, uh, has uh, biracial parents, um, just, you know, she, she's just an outstanding, uh, outstanding lawyer, outstanding person. Uh, she's actually a Baptist, uh, which I found surprising in all of this, uh, yeah. but she does have a faith background, and... You know, and her faith means a great deal to her. So that's that's exciting to hear how, as well.
0: Does she know how to hold up a Bible?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to test that during the debates. <laughs> Vice
0: uh-huh.
1: President Pence, will you hold this Bible? Senator <laughs> Harris, would you hold your Bible? Let's see who holds it properly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and if lightning doesn't strike then maybe they're a good candidate
1: yeah you know what's interesting about this autumn i mean in all seriousness you think of of course vice president pence uh who is a a devout christian evangelical christian at that you have kamala harris who is a devout christian as well with baptist roots and you you look at these two individuals who are vowing one is the vice president the other is vowing to replace that person, but applying for the job nonetheless, both professing Christians, but both so distinct in their belief systems and how those beliefs are applied in the way they see issues and how they address issues from their faith background. It really is kind of an interesting uh, study to to see these two individuals stand side by side as the vice president and a candidate for the vice presidency.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And there are, you know, a lot of people who think like it doesn't matter who the vice president is, or, you know, they don't really have much to do. But I think it's important. I mean, I think it, it matters a lot. I think looking at who's on the ticket and um You know, it doesn't mean you have to love every single thing about them. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean they have to be your first choice. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to have to go to, like, the prom with them. Um, But it's more about sort of the overarching values and how you align and the things that they're going to be able to do once they're in office. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, and, you know, when the announcement broke yesterday, it was interesting to kind of see the uh, chatter on social media. A lot of uh, our left-leaning friends were very supportive of – Uh, Biden's choice and Kamala Harris, some of our far left friends were not uh, that excited about Biden choosing Harris as his VP choice, which I also thought was very interesting. Uh, And I saw a, uh, a post by somebody and I can't remember who it was, but it was really interesting that when it was kind of talking about the contrast between the Republican party and the democratic party, that the Republican party, when a choice is made, they fall in line. Democratic, or Democrats feel like they've got to fall in love with their candidates.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's yeah. interesting to, to see that contrast just politically uh, and strategically in, in both parties. And I think it was pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, I think it absolutely is. Because I remember early in you know, 2015, when the Republicans had like 47 people on stage during the Republican primary, mm-hmm. um, there were so many people who were just appalled by Trump. Mm -hmm. And we're really calling him out for, you know, the things that he was saying for his past. And then all of a sudden, when it started being pretty evident that it was going to be him, they pulled their anyone but Trump signs out and just fell right in line behind him. People who would have never, I thought, voted for him in the past. And I think we've seen them continue to sort of cling to it, even through the roller coaster that we've been on since then.
1: Yeah, It was fascinating. You're seeing that a little bit in the Democratic primary, uh, even with this choice of Harris um, you know, she was very critical of Biden at the beginning and, and probably had the most effective uh, attack on him during the debates uh, throughout the, in, the entire primary. But now, you know, she, he has extended this invitation to her to become the vice president. In the book, it talks about how close she was with Beau Biden, uh, Joe's son. Um, and Beau, unfortunately, passed away uh, not too long ago of cancer. But uh, that was interesting to, to to hear their relationship and how that played a part in her accepting the VP nomination. But going back to the Republican Party during their primary four years ago, I mean, Trump could not have been more vile and uh, mean spirited to his fellow Republicans. And I think about Rubio and Graham and Cruz. And while I have ideological differences with all of them, you know, I thought, my goodness, how do you recover after, you know, saying the things that they did or he said the things that he did about them? And after he got the nomination, every one of them fell in line Mm -hmm. and and supported him. It was the the craziest thing to see. But I guess that's politics. Uh, Glad that doesn't happen in the church, right? Uh,
0: Though, be, because I feel like she is someone who will call Biden out, yeah. I think she's already proven that she will, and I don't know that we have that in Mike Pence.
1: You've seen this throughout uh, different presidencies, um, that, and uh, probably the most recent has been uh, Obama in getting different opinions, even people uh, outside their party. In an attempt to create what Doris Kern Goodwin's talked about in her book about Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, was a team of rivals, that Mm -hmm. you wanted spirited debate on policy within your cabinet. You wanted other perspectives. You, You wanted your staff and cabinet to wrestle with these things and to debate these things, knowing that the chief executive would make the final decision, but Mm -hmm. you wanted to be pressed. You wanted to be pushed on these issues because that is, that's being a good cabinet member. Yeah. Well, the one thing I do hope that uh, Senator Harris pushes Biden on and pushes us all on is taking care of our environment And up next, Autumn and I sat down with the new Executive Director of Christians Caring for Creation, Don Gordon, and it is a really, really good interview. Don has some wonderful practical ways of caring for creation and teaching us why, as people of faith, we should care about this most critical issue. So stay tuned for our interview with Don Gordon. Ethics Daily and Nurturing Faith are coming together and joining forces to launch Good Faith Media. Is that not exciting?
0: I am pumped. I'm so excited. We've been planning this and scheming and dreaming, and it's finally coming to fruition.
1: We're really excited to roll out the new website, uh, hoping that everybody will get a chance to log on to goodfaithmedia.org. Uh, starting July the 1st. But uh, there's also something we want to invite uh, a lot of our good friends to be a part of, and that is the Good Faith 50. So Autumn, tell us a little bit about the Good Faith 50.
0: The Good Feed 50 is a group of our friends who want to support us. And our goal is to grow our monthly members, so our, our folks who donate to the mission of Good Faith Media, which is to provide resources and reflection at the intersection of faith and culture through an inclusive Christian lens. We want to invite the people who believe in that mission to become monthly donors. And our goal in July and August is to grow our monthly donors by 50.
1: That is absolutely awesome. We welcome anybody who wants to be a part of the Good Faith crew in the months of July and August. And all they need to do is go to goodfaithmedia.org, hit the Donate button, and then select to become part of the Good Faith 50 and a monthly donor at any level. And we would love to hear from you, and we appreciate, as always, your support. Your contribution helps us publish new articles each and every day. It also helps us... Uh, produce short documentaries and allows us to cover stories across the country. It helps us publish more books and provide more experiences for more people of faith. We are trying to advance a faith that is inclusive for all, providing justice for all and freedom for all. So make certain you sign up on Good Faith 50 at goodfaithmedia.org. Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly, and on this episode, we've got a very intriguing guest, Dr. Don Gordon, who is the Executive Director for Christians Caring for Creation. So, Don, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you, Mitch. I'm glad to be here
1: well let's just go ahead and jump into this I mean we're sitting here in the middle of August 2020 which uh, we're not even going to go into what this year has uh, brought to the world but uh, your organization is uh, really highlighting the importance of Christians being involved in in uh, in creation care, which we just absolutely love at Good Faith Media, but let's get into you know this organization. It's a brand new organization, right?
2: Right. Um, it began this year. Uh, we just obtained our five hundred one c three status from the IRS two months ago. We have created our website about four months ago and are in the process of creating our board of directors. We have a number of people who have agreed to serve on the board, uh, and we have a few others that are thinking about this and will be sharing that news with me in short order, I'm sure. We also have a uh, consultant, a scientific consultant from Utah State University, who has been working on climate science for over 10 years his background is physics but he has focused on climate issues for the last 10 years and uh, so we're working on bringing in other people to write sermons and bible studies so we are um on the on the precipice of of doing some significant work in this area
1: that's awesome now don you have been in pastoral ministry for over 35 years from what i understand and right. so now you've, you've launched this organization that deals primarily with creation care for people of faith. Uh, why, why the switch after 35 years uh, behind the pulpit? Um, has this issue been you know, nagging at you? Has it been tugging at your heart for some time now?
2: Yes. Um, I, I think a big part of it is I became a grandfather. And when I go over and play with my grandson, who is now a year and a half years old, I think about his future, and I think about what his parents think about their future. They're in their 30s, they're millennials, and they are understandably very concerned about the future of this planet providing a sustainable environment for their son. And I know that they are and somewhat indicative of many people in that generation. And so I decided that I wanted to spend the next season of my life, I'm hoping that I can give 10 to 15 years of this um, to this kind of work um, in a way that can help my grandson and children around the world have a future where there is a more sustainable environment in which they can live.
1: Mm, I love it.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, I grew up in sort of a fundamentalist background. We we just put the fun right in fundamental, and <laughs> we heard a lot. Sort of a one of the phrases that I heard a lot is that uh, these liberal Christians they worship the creation and not the creator. So, what what would you say to that sort of vernacular?
2: Right. Well, you know, the one I don't want to bash my ancestors I think um, I remember Will Will Willimon asking Baptists one time why they hate their parents so much regarding in 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 regards to their theological parents Um, one of the things that fundamentalists and many Christians um, ground their faith in is the Bible and so I am approaching this from a biblical perspective From the very beginning of the bible in genesis chapter one um, humankind is given dominion over the earth and if you read the rest of the bible you find out what a powerful that what a powerful word dominion is and most often when it's used in scripture it's used in a cautionary way Mm -hmm. because it is so often abused and the the kings of israel and the religious leaders of Israel were often considered abusing their power, and they were taking care of themselves and exploiting the people rather than serving the people. They were not exercising dominion in a proper way. So the entire scope of Scripture uh, teaches us that dominion is a very servant-oriented word, and we need to be very careful about how we exercise dominion. And in regards to... To the creation, it means that we don't need to exploit creation and use it just for our own good, but we need to care for it so that we are demonstrating our love and obedience to God, and also um, practicing good stewardship for future generations. And that's one of the reasons we've been given dominion is we are co-creators with God uh, to take care of creation.
1: You know, Don, so I think I, I'm sorry
2: sort of to to, sum, to summarize the answer is uh, I think the key for this organization is to make sure that we uh, communicate. There is a biblical foundation for this. It's not just a secular foundation. It's not just a scientific foundation, though. We do believe it is tied to science. But there, this is there's a biblical foundation of this organization.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Don, Don, I think you 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 man, you hit it right on the head. This misunderstanding of what it means in that Genesis passage about humanity having dominion over this earth, because it still seems to me that you know we get criticized a lot when we talk about creation care and environmental justice uh, at Good Faith Media. But this idea of dominion, do you think that there is still this misconception by many people of faith that just because there is, there are these narratives within the, the Genesis uh, account that God created humanity and that somehow God placed humanity at the center of this universe He created, and therefore we reign over it. Instead of looking at it as God placing us within the creation, that we are part of the symbiotic ecosystem uh, that works together, and that as uh, as being given dominion, that we are caretakers of this creation. And that's a great responsibility given to us by God. And so that seems to speak exactly to what you're saying, that the word dominion has more of a servant uh, practice to it rather than a ruling or reigning practice to it.
2: Right. I mean, the the Hebrew word is radah, and it's so interesting. It's used 27 times in the Old Testament. And almost all of those instances are cautionary uh, instances where those who have dominion are cautioned to be careful about how they exercise it, or they actually are condemned and rebuked for how they are, um, how they have used dominion. And but if we take the the ultimate example of one who has dominion, that we believe is Jesus Christ, who has dominion over all the earth. He's the King of Kings and Lords of Lord of Lords. And we see how he exercised dominion by coming to the earth being a part of it, condescending himself to be a part of us, and then caring for us, serving us, even to the point of dying for us so that we might reign with him forever um, in the kingdom of God. So the ultimate expression of this dominion is Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus who told us that we need to care for the poor and be especially mindful of the poor. And so if we're going to follow that model and follow the model of Jesus, we've got to um, be more servant-oriented in our exercise of dominion.
1: Man, we've got to watch out, Don, because— uh, Autumn's about to turn on the Bible geek uh, warning, uh, and the siren will go off because you and I They're are talking a lot of deep stuff about theology and Bible right now. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, I love it. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, let's g- kind of get into some of the issues that you're you're dealing with at uh, C three. Um, what are what are you and your environmentalists there at C three? What are you? working on as far as some of the greatest issues that uh, you see facing our planet right now?
2: Right. Well, of course, climate change is a big issue and that is a a significant part of what we're doing, but it's not the only issue because we are attempting to care for all of creation and not just climate change. So um, we are calling on people for, personal and corporate and even political engagement in the world, not political in a partisanship, but recognizing that one of the ways that we exercise our influence and our power is through political processes and through government organizations, not just in the United States, but around the world. So we're calling for people to engage personally in this. Mm. For example, just in our own homes, we can reduce the, the use of plastic. Uh, we waste so much plastic that ends up going into the oceans and, and destroying ecosystems, that if we could just stop using plastic water bottles that are covered in plastic and use one bottle again and again, Those little things are a way to personally engage in caring for creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can engage corporately by having our businesses and our churches and our organizations become more engaged in recycling processes. And and even at the national and global level, we can support efforts to reduce CO2 emissions. Uh, the The Paris Agreement, for example, is one that if we support it, it would be a good step Mm. in helping the whole world move toward greater sustainability. So we're encouraging people to do those kinds of things. And we want to also um, ask businesses and churches and organizations to let us know about what they're doing so that we can highlight and promote best practices. You know, there are churches now that are being built whose electrical grid is being at least supplemented by solar panels and other forms of energy. So we want to promote those kind of best practices and we want to be a platform for voices uh, for, from young and old uh, and all, all kinds of people to let us know uh, what they're doing and what their views are about caring for creation.
1: So, this sounds like it's a very practical organization that is encouraging not only larger uh, advocacy for, uh, for creation care, but also day to day things that we can do to help the planet and to uh, take care of, of God's creation. And, right. and one of the things.
2: It, it is very
0: personal
2: and pragmatic as well as, as global. We hope to touch all of those bases.
1: Excellent.
0: Do you feel like this is particularly hard for Americans? Because it does cause us a little bit of personal um, sacrifice. It's not as easy as just throwing everything into the trash can. And why I say that. You're taking away our freedoms, Autumn. Freedoms, bootstraps. all
1: (laughs) Our freedoms to drink water out of a plastic bottle. Come on.
0: Every single superlative. Right. We spent some time in Switzerland, and uh, going from you know, I grew up in Central Texas, and which is just about as bootstraps as you can get. Um, we went to Switzerland, and the first thing that our host family that lived near us let us know about was how particular they are about recycling. Um, you had a day for compost, you had a day for uh, where they would collect compost, a day where they would collect cardboard, a day where they would collect paper, um, and then everything else, you had to just sort of hoof it all over town. You had to take different colored glass to different places in the park. You had to take milk cartons back to the grocery store, um, any plastic bags you had to a specific place, even batteries. Um, I'm just really convicted about how little Americans recycle batteries, which are such a tricky thing to put back into the dump. And, you know, we came back and our family trash situation was completely overhauled because of the way we had just sort of, you know, gotten used to living life that way. So, you know, apart from sending every American family to spend some time in Switzerland, (laughs) what can we do to take that stigma away?
2: Right. Well, it it is a huge problem, and it is a cultural problem in America, and we are so driven by individualism here that, again, I think that we have missed an important teaching of the Bible, which really talks about the community, and it talks oh, about the there body of Christ as the church, and that what the arm does affects the foot and the the, the shoulder, and every part is connected, and I think that's a very important image for us to hold up as the church, that it's not just what's good for me, but it's what's good for the whole body. Mm. And we, I think, can translate that into what's bought, what's good for the common good. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, when the the Israelites were sent into exile in Babylon, they were told through the prophet Jeremiah to look and serve the good for that community, the city in which they live. And so this also was played out in Acts chapter 2 in the early church, where the early church was looked upon with with awe because they loved one another and they took care of one another and people were drawn to the church. And so I think that it really, there is a call for us to become more communal, in our activity. And so we can do things like, little things, like taking our own bag to the grocery store, rather than having four items put in four different plastic bags so that we can bring them home and throw them in the trash can. Being more mindful of that, walking to the grocery store, walking as much as we can. Uh, And something that's hard for me is I've become aware of my eating habits And so I'm trying to cut back on eating meat. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a pescatarian, but I am aware of how much energy it it requires um, to mass produce all these things. So we can do small things to contribute to the good of the community and the good of the body. And that's a part of what it means to be a Christian and a person of faith.
1: I love that. I mean, the, the whole communal element, Don, I mean, you're, man, you're just, you're, you're speaking my language. Thanks so much for saying that. You know, I'm, often as I travel around, Don, well, when I used to travel around a lot before uh, COVID, um, you know, people would ask me what I thought was the most pressing social justice issue, uh, ethical issue that we were facing as, as a people. And I always would say the same thing. I think it's it's climate change, um, and the reason I say that is because climate change affects so many other facets of our existence. We've right. got we've got more migrants and immigrants than we've ever had in the history of the world, mainly because it is a battle for resources where there is not any, where there is famine, people are trying to go feed their families where there are resources, there are civil wars, internal strifes taking place to control those resources. Um, And so it is affecting so much. And even here in the States, we see it. We see it with droughts. We see it with uh, more alarming hurricanes coming out of the Atlantic. I mean, you know, I never forget a couple of years ago when they set the current hurricanes uh, against hurricanes that were coming out of the Atlantic, you know, about 20, 30 years ago, and the, just the enormity of them in themselves. It's like, wow, I can see that with my own eyes. And wow. then the tornadoes. I mean, Autumn and I live in Tornado Alley uh, sure here in, in Norman, Oklahoma, and the storms are intensifying. The, the tornadoes are getting bigger. Just a couple of years ago, we had the strongest tornado that's ever been recorded in the world, and it was two miles long. Now, let me, restate, let me restate that. The tornado was two miles in diameter.
2: That's just incredible.
1: And the sustained winds, are not, they're not sustained, but the gust within the tornado reached over 200 miles an hour. They said it was the closest to an EF6 tornado they had ever seen. Um, and there's never been one like that recorded. And so we're seeing the intensity of this. So climate change for, for me is the number one issue from a social justice standpoint from an ethical standpoint that Christians need to be addressing that some are but a majority are not so wow. your organization like C3 working with churches working with individuals to bring this to the forefront is vitally important so what can our what can our listeners do I mean, you already gave us some practical examples of, of what we can do, but what are some things that we can do to make certain that we are engaged with the community, the larger community to, to address this in a meaningful way?
2: Well, I'll, i speak at it from a, a macro perspective and then a micro perspective, just to follow up on the macro perspective, um, this organization is trying to follow the model of Jesus who told us to care for the least of these, Mm. our brothers and sisters, to care for all people, but especially those who are marginalized and the poor and the marginalized and the poor are the ones who are most impacted by these terrible storms. Just last year in the Bahamas, um, we knew that a terror, that, Hurricane Dorian was Mm -hmm. going to come down there and destroy the place and the wealthy people and the people with access could get out and leave, but the poor people didn't have access and they couldn't leave. They're left to save themselves and to try to rebuild their lives. And so we need to be aware of how our actions are affecting the entire globe, especially the poor. But, But I would say, in a, in a more local way, it is to become more engaged and more involved with the poor so that we can see the impact on their lives. I live in Charlotte now, and I live in a community that is very diverse. I've been um, in, in my neighborhood recently and met Ethiopians and Eritreans mm-hmm. and people from, of course, Honduras and Guatemala and Mexico and uh, they are all over the place and we've got to be engaged with them and be aware of their needs and c3 is an organization that tries to help us not just care for the the create not just care for the environment but to recognize that all of creation is to be loved by the body of christ and the poor are are with us and, and so We've got to find ways to love the poor and care for the poor, and one of the ways to do that is to be engaged with them personally, and so that's not necessarily – it doesn't seem to be an environmental issue. But it is a creation issue because they are part of God's creation.
1: Also, mm-hmm. you know, man, you are you're hitting it right on the head, and you're preaching now, and you're even meddling to some point because this "love your neighbor" that mandate that Jesus gave us. I mean, we think about that in our missional practices as a people of faith, and you know, when they're you mentioned a hurricane a while ago, when hurricanes and tornadoes rip through our communities it's people of faith who are quick to grab hammers and to, to help clean up and to rebuild and to provide missional support to those who have been devastated well let's just take that a step further and say the house is falling down and the house is this this planet that god created us for us and gave us to to sustain and we need to repair it this needs to be part of our mission our the, our, our missional uh, practices as a people of faith. This, this fits very well into our missiology as, as Christians, especially that this, this, this is, this is who we are. This is what we need to be doing.
2: Right. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the pandemic at the top of this, mm-hmm. um, interview, uh, we're in this terrible pandemic now, but you know, we're going to get out of this. Yeah. I, I don't know when, but we're, we will move through this and it will not, be consuming our lives as much as it does now but after this pandemic is over we're still going to have the greater existential threat to the globe and that's climate change and the ways that we are exploiting the earth Mm -hmm. and so that is the larger issue and uh, if we're going to truly love God and love our neighbor then we really need to be involved in this. And we need to do for this what the early Christians did at at the beginning of the Christian movement. You know, the Christians overtook the Roman Empire, not by the sword, but by love. Mm. The Romans were amazed that the Christians took better care of the orphans of other people than the Romans took care of their own children. The Romans were amazed that these Christians were caring for the sick, more than they cared for their own sick. So the Christians overtook the Roman Empire through love by creating orphanages, by creating hospitals, and eventually by creating educational systems and universities. Those were huge problems in the first 500 years of the Christian movement. And the Christians stood up, and they answered the call. Well, this is the new call for Christians today, Mm. The greatest problem in the world now, I believe, has to do with climate. And Christians, who comprise 31% of the world's population of 7.3 billion people, have the greatest potential to have a positive effect on this. So if we mobilize and we care for one another, especially the poor, we can do in our time what the early Christians did in overthrowing the Roman Empire.
1: That's very well said. Well, Don Gordon, S- Executive Director for Christians Caring for Creation. Uh, you can find out more about this organization at ChristiansCaringForCreation.com. But Don, before we let you go, we've got one final question that Autumn asks every one of our guests. So, Autumn, take it away.
0: Yeah, Who are you voting for?
1: No, I'm Wow.
0: You're not going there. Um, So, our tagline at Good Faith Media is There's More to Tell. So, in light of everything that we've just talked about, what is your more to tell?
2: That there is a very evangelical component to C3. Mm -hmm. And that is um, resulting from the vast number of young adults who no longer are interested in the church because the church has been timid or silent on this issue and their view is if the church doesn't care about this why do i need to care about the church Mm. well i care about the future of the church and i care about young adults and so i want to connect with young adults and show them that the church does care for creation and caring for creation and caring for god coincide and we can do that together and we need all generations to join forces in caring for creation.
1: Very well said. Thanks, Don. Well, Don, we wish you all the best and hope that uh, Christians Caring for Creation is off to a wonderful start. And uh, keep preaching the gospel, brother.
2: Okay, thank you, Mitch. I enjoyed being with you today.
1: Well, for our listeners, we want to thank you again for tuning in to Good Faith Weekly. As always, we want to wish you a very special weekend, and we hope, as always, that you are practicing good faith.